on CW contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Before you checked yourself in here, you were working as an exorcist and master of the dark arts. That says master, does it? Well, I should really change that to Paddy Dabbler, I hate to put on it. Bollocks. I'm addressing the entity inside. Hear my word! Welcome, you're listening to DC on CW, Constantine Edition on Rain Man Digital. If you're listening from your desktop, you can take us mobile by downloading the Rain Man Digital app. That's available in the iTunes App Store and Google Play. Simply search Rain Man Digital. You can also find us on demand through iTunes and Stitcher by searching DC on CW. And once you find us there, please go ahead and leave us a review. Uh, we are also now live on Twitch with every DC on CW broadcast. Broadcast? Broadcast. <laughs> Uh, you can find that at twitch.tv by searching Rain Man Digital. All right, today I'm going to be hosting this show with Mike. Hello. He has just caught himself up on Constantine. Just yeah. binged through it. Very exciting. Uh, and he... Uh, are you watching it on the DC Universe app? I am. Oh, how is that? How is the experience? I like it. It's a little glitchy, and which is expected. This is a new streaming platform, so I understand that there's going to be some bugs that need to be worked out but overall it's pretty effing cool i mean while you're watching the show whatever you're streaming you can find out background information on the characters they, they have a, they have an entire dc library where you actually click on things that's labeled and it will share information based what? from the dc canon on these characters and scenarios it's actually pretty freaking cool that's amazing. That alone is worth seven bucks to me. The fact that I can stream DC content and then also all in one platform be able to research what was actually going on in the episode and which characters do what and where they belong in this giant DC, you know, canon. Yeah. So fun. I back that. Yeah. Um, And that alone seems like it's it deserves a little bit more leeway on glitchiness. Oh, absolutely. For sure. That's crazy. All right, so today we're going to be breaking down and discussing Constantine Season 1, Episode 8, The Saint of Last Resorts, Part 1. Uh, so in this episode, we meet Anne-Marie, who's a member of the Newcastle crew. She asks John and Chaz for help in Mexico City, bringing them close to the heart of the rising darkness. And Zed is haunted by her past. We finally get backstory on her. Yeah. Uh, this episode was directed by T.J. Scott and written by Carly Ray. So... This is this is the most important episode we've had since this show started, I think, arguably. Yeah, for sure. Um the the whole like mythos of this show is is coming to a head. It it is finally all becoming clear what the cause and effect of everything that's happening is. You know, this rising darkness is kind of explained. And it's cool to see that um we were discussing before recording this show that all of those little kind of monster of the week things and stuff like that. And the way that we saw them kind of being uh, more powerful than Constantine and his crew have previously seen before. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all a result, a direct result of the rising darkness. And that was talked about before yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But now we have actual proof. It's like, exciting. It's yeah. exciting to see how all the moving parts 
came together and we're only at eight episodes in. And these are the types of shows that I love when it comes to the pacing, because the fact that we're eight episodes in and they kind of answered a a big question that was posed in the very first episode, because it leaves you wondering, all right, so we have. This is only episode number eight. What else do you guys have in store for us if you're already revealing some truths like this? They they answered a big question, but yeah. left us still needing more information. There's still mystery there. You know, it's not oh, like yeah. they gave away the whole thing. No. Um, and that that takes good writing and good tact to yeah. do. So yeah, it's super exciting. You know, it's they they kind of explain what the actual coming darkness is. They talk about the fact that um the Catholic Church has been watching this for a long time um, and that they've been preparing for it. But it seems like they're not quite with it enough. Like there's something there um, that's stopping them from really being able to do anything about it. Yeah, it's almost like the a Sith type thing, like the Shroud of Darkness, you yeah. know, kind of makes everything hard to see what, what's actually going on. Manny, obviously the angels don't even know. Yeah. They have no idea what is actually happening. Yeah, and they they have an idea and they know that it's threatening. They know it's bad. But they don't know what and it they, is. Yeah. yeah, and they don't know the exact cause or the exact uh, start of all of this. You know, we're seeing all this different stuff happening. We're seeing that the, uh, the, the uh, brujeria, right? Yep. They are... Look at your Mexican side coming out. I know. Nice. <laughs> we did it. Uh, but they they are working with different demons and different entities from hell, offering them things, offering them, you know, like, hey, here's here's a prize. Uh, help us. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. These old like witchcraft. Whatever they are at this point, because they're not human. No. But it's awesome. It's awesome to see how they're taking the lore. F- lore from comic books and you're kind of you're using reality because a lot of this is also based on real lore yeah so to see them kind of mix the two of them and and it comes out so well is really rewarding as a fan who just loves constantine loves how what they're doing with the show and just loves the genre of the supernatural yeah it's just it's always cool to see how different shows interpret different things say mm-hmm. from the bible or whatever oh, yeah. other religious texts and things like that like that's it's crazy you can read the same thing and still pull from and be inspired from the same things and, and make it totally different in a in a in a media format you know yeah um and so this is this is just super cool we we meet i, I forgot the uh the name of the lamashtu what is her name oh yes you're right lamashtu yeah this is just crazy. So, I mean, this so this episode is the first of two parts. And is that why you're walking very carefully right now trying yeah, to make yeah, sure Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's talk about the the brujeria though because that's that's something that I had never heard of before this show. Mm-hmm. But it absolutely is an actual thing from, you know, reality. It's actual lore from our world latin america folklore will fuck you up yeah (laughs) it is spooky shit you don't want to mess with that um and it's so in this you know it's a group that's supposed to be gone supposed to be completely gone just like almost fairy tales at this point 
Um, and even Constantine doesn't think that they're around and that they're gone. So to me, that kind of, um, it kind of says that they are not as mortal as humans are, you know, because Constantine says uh, the actual quote was, you know, they were around long before God turned the lights on. Mm-hmm. So that's that's insane. Um, well, I got a lore boner as soon as I heard that. Because I'm like, oh, this is some deep, dark, ancient shit. Bringing that up and the the, the whole idea that these creatures or these these group of warlocks. These beings of some the, sort, the, yeah. La Brujeria, I believe that's how you say it, I guess. Um, they <laughs> Look at your Mexican side. <laughs> I just roll those R's. Um, the fact that they were around before, I'm assuming that when Constantine says turned but they were around before God turned the lights on, I think it's safe to say that that means they were around before creation, before w- the creation of man. I would say before the creation of man, for yeah. sure. Uh, but either, I don't know. Is I, that what you got from it as well? Or? Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking sort of Garden of Eden sort of time. Yeah, yeah. You know, because maybe maybe around the time of creation mm-hmm. or something, you know, either before or, or, before. or you know, during mm-hmm. that time. Because... It's safe to say that even when Adam and Eve were in Eden, um, there were living things. There were beings, but God hadn't really turned the lights on on Earth yeah. yet. You know, there were there were two humans. There were two men, um, one female, one male, and mm-hmm. that's it. Um, so somewhere around that time, maybe even before, which is crazy to think about. Laura usually doesn't touch that as far as living beings are concerned no and, and it just really pushes the mythos of constantine so fast in in a way that works because i think that when you're when you're dealing with such a high concept because this is definitely a high concept you're yeah. you're you're literally saying these creatures are as ancient as god or even older than creation so you're really pushing the mythos you're putting it on the line because when you try to introduce such a high concept like that you run the risk of audiences Scratching their head, I'm like, oh, this is just too much. This is too much. We're eight episodes in, and now you're introducing the the, the uh, brujeria that's ancient, you know, ancient warlocks. It can all become a jumbled up, contrived mess. But it didn't come off that way. Yeah, um, and it, it's insane to me that they're, you know, this is season one. This is the only season of this show that exists, and they're already jumping into something so powerful so crazy and they're presenting it in a way where like the angels don't know what's going on Mm -hmm. god probably doesn't even know what's going on or if he does he doesn't know how to stop it or he didn't inform the angels and and to me you know if he knew exactly what was coming if and if he knew how to stop it he would inform his soldiers of what to do so if the angels don't even know if manny's like i was charged with stopping this and i don't know what it is or what to do, or how to stop it. So help me figure it out. You know, that that says God probably doesn't really know what's happening. Um, and that's amazing. This group managed to survive so deep down underground, metaphorically, not mm-hmm. literally, <laughs> or maybe literally, who knows? But like, they've just been lurking in the shadows for eons. Yeah. Eons is the word that Constantine used uh, to describe how long they've been around. And whenever a, a villain or an enemy has gone to the dark, you know, underground for eons, it just makes you wonder what type of threat are they? Obviously, they were a threat long before, 
But what type of threat are they now? The fact that they have been pretty much allowed to work on whatever they have planned unhindered because no one knew they even existed. So it suddenly brings, it raises the stakes like that. Yeah. Um, so, all right. I got a couple questions about, uh, Lamash too. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm not super well read with the Bible. Right. Just not. Um, and I, I don't believe that there was any there there was never any sort of indication in the bible that eve potentially had any sort of sisters or anything that's just something else that they've kind of created right um okay so yes and no in the actual bible the christian faith yes you're right the actual bible sure but when you look at the extensions of christianity and where it stemmed from judeo christianity before christ and you look at things uh dealing with even like the Mesopotamian era, which also yeah. relied a lot heavy, heavy on the Old Testament. There are portions that the Catholic Church has deemed non-canon compliant and they have removed it. Wow, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they have chosen to remove it, but there are certain portions of the Bible that have been found and carbon dated and it goes way back, ancient, before Christ. And there have been texts. And there's something called the the Midrashic literature. And they speak of Adam's first wife as not being Eve, but a woman named Lilith. Yeah. Who was created. And she chose, essentially what Constantine said in this episode, chose not to live under the thumb of God and not be obedient to his rules and, and laws. Yeah. And she chose hell over that and became the first demon. So, again, that's Judeo-Christianity, or I'd even say Judeo-mysticism more than actual Christianity. So there are stories. Yeah. But that just shows the deep research that the creators of Constantine used. It makes it cool. Yeah. Looking into it, it seems like they're really, really sticking with the Mesopotamian mythology. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, down to exactly what her, I don't know, MO is, which is, you know, menacing women during childbirth and if possible, kidnapping their children while they're breastfeeding. Yeah. Uh, they not, she would gnaw on their bones and suck on their blood as well as being charged with a number of ev other evil deeds. Um, a lot of people say a lot of uh, different mythology texts and folklore will, will also say that she was the start of true witchcraft. Mm -hmm. Lilith, the sisters yeah. of Eve. So that's a little tidbit that was also potentially used as inspiration for this episode as well. Sure. Um, Isn't I, it cool, though, when you start digging through all that stuff? Yeah, well, because mythology in general and different like ancient myths and texts and lores are amazing. Yeah, really it's fascinating. crazy. And the way that they've evolved over time in the world. Um, and I mean, you know, Pazuzu as well. Pazuzu is something that kind of gets brought up in a lot of different things and has a kind of a each, I don't know, the, each time he's brought up in different, like, lores or whatever, yeah. it kind of changes and, and morphs to yeah. suit that. But um, every culture has very similar stories where they, they're slightly changed. Maybe even the, 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 the god or deity or demon or creature or whatever, and the, the actual name is in question. But mm -hmm. usually you can say, okay, well, that's what that is. It's very similar stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, them and then bringing Pazuzu out to fight Lamashu. I mean, that he was usually invoked to invoked against her. So that's that's really cool. They did so much to really bring a well-rounded story and a well-rounded mythos to this show. And just bring some gritty realism to it. And people may laugh and chuckle and be like, realism? This is all mythology. Yeah, but it's based on real world yeah. stories and literature. And that brings the 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 scare factor up as well for an audience because then suddenly you're like, ooh, these things, this isn't just made up. These things are based on real stories. Shit. Yeah, they're not made up, made up. This isn't yeah. Clark Kent. You know, it's <laughs> not someone from Krypton, a fantasy alien planet. You know, right. it's it's something that was believed to be real at one point. Yeah. Or, you know, believed to be realistic enough that it could possibly happen um, and was written down in that with that in mind. So, yeah, it does bring some gritty, creepy realism because I'm much more inclined to go, oh, my God, this is stuff that maybe was something that existed thousands of years ago mm-hmm. rather than just like, oh, yeah, in 2017, an alien <laughs> came down from the sky and is fighting crime in a city now. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, and all of this, you know, I I love when... Uh, it sounds kind of bad, but I love when they bring in the church and the church can't really do a whole lot. The church can help, but the church isn't the answer. Right. You know, it runs so much deeper than that. And and someone like a nun, she can help and she can do her part. And she was necessary for uh, for some things in the next episode and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> but it's not the only answer to this problem. Mm-mm. And there are restrictions put on them that prevent them from being able to do certain things to help. You know, in this episode, Constantine is like, hey, listen, you you called me because you know there are things that you can't do because you've sworn your life to this. And you would be breaking your vows if you did certain things. Yeah. So that's why you called me because I don't work within those restrictions. I do what has to be done. Yeah. And even that was, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but even that, the whole aspect of him doing what needs to be done uh, was, you know, really fleshed out when it comes to his character development as Mm -hmm. well this week. Yeah. Yeah. We now know with this episode that the ultimate goal, presumably of the whole rising darkness uh, is to destroy the barrier between Earth and Hell. If it's to be believed that, you know, the Brujeria are um, there and they're behind all of it, if they are the actual root cause of this rising darkness, mm-hmm. um, then that's the ultimate goal. You know, everything from Hell creeps out and doesn't have to hide in the shadows and will no longer be just scary stories yeah. or, you know, just exercise this demon and we're free and we're fine nope they're there yeah hell on earth and and the fact that they find a way to kind of clip the the angel wings or kryptonite them or superman them i call it uh is a great way to again keep the stakes within the show because when you have an angel in your corner you're that's why i like the rules as you was mentioning some of the rules Mm -hmm. that the church can't get involved the angels can't get involved i mean if you have an angel in your corner what can't you do so the fact that they create this Brujeria being the the big the big bad 
again, allegedly of this season, apparently for this season. And then they threatened breaking down the barrier between earth and hell. And that you're going to have hell on earth. That's a serious thing because what, what did man, what has Manny said since day one? They cannot get involved. So this is going to fall on mere mortal shoulders to take care of. Yeah. They thereby cannot interfere being, with the, uh, yeah. With men. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's, crazy so it becomes a major threat when you hear that mm-hmm. and i i agree with you i really really appreciate that they have rules set in place for particular things for, for particular beings and people um and it makes sense that not only would the church have you know specific rules obviously but so would kind of everyone that is aligned with god mm-hmm. you know he's very much order and rules and that's why there was a rebellion and that's why you know there's so many demons and fallen angels and stuff like that in hell is because they they went well to hell with your rules so it's very very contrasted obviously they're opposites but it's um it's nice to have those restrictions in place for storytelling yeah because you're right if if you have an angel working with you you could literally do pretty much anything and uh, it's it's appreciated that Manny says, listen, my hands are tied. Here's what I can do for you. Here's what I can't. Yeah, because some of my biggest problems with a lot of TV shows is you have those OP characters, those overpowered characters, and they just choose not to lend a hand. And you just, why? You're so powerful. Just wave your hand and help out. I mean, there's a show uh, that we cover on this network, Supernatural, which I absolutely love. But there's problems throughout the 14-year run where you have these OP characters and you're like, you realize you can just snap your fingers and problem solved, right? Whereas Constantine, they have taken precautions to make sure that they don't fall into those those pitfalls. Right. Which has worked. I mean, especially since you brought up, um, you mentioned... uh, uh, what did you mean? You mentioned the angels. Uh, you even had the introduction of the fallen uh, mm-hmm. last episode, and you suddenly realize that all of these things are connected. And you had the brujeria. Like I'm pronouncing it differently every single time, Lauren. And I appreciate <laughs> that you just let it go. <laughs> but anyways, you have the brujeria. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I will pronounce it like a white person. Whiten it up a little yeah. bit. The brujeria. I appreciate that all the moving parts, as I was mentioning at the top of the show working together, even the aspect of the fallen, because suddenly you realize, okay, the, the Bruharia is involved. They are intent in destroying the barrier between earth and hell. And now we also have the, the aspects or the portion of the story that they delved into last week or last episode with the fallen. What, what type of dangers are going to happen? Are the angels involved? Are portions of the angels, the fallen, are they also involved in this, in this scheme is this part of their plan as well? Because they said they wanted to inherit the earth. They wanted to do away with mankind as uh, I believe what, her, what was her name? Imogen? Imogen? I believe the angel, the fallen from last week. Imogen. 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 You know, spelled like how you said it. But not. <laughs> what was it again? Imogen? Imogen. Imogen. Um, yeah, just ignore that as well. <laughs> but no, it did. Because we're introduced to this concept, you're just suddenly you're you're left with your jaw just on the floor like, fuck, anything can happen. Yeah, anything. Nothing is out of the question. Um, so let's talk about the Brujeria as they were in comics, because that that was something that came into play uh, 
in I don't know in a, in a few spots in DC comic book canon, right? Yeah. So, um, one instance being connected to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, so they they want to bring forth the darkness in the comics as well, like the great darkness. So that to me says that they are in fact like this is we found out what the ultimate cause of the rising darkness is. Mm-hmm. That that to me says it all right there without the TV show saying it, you know. Yeah. This is exactly the root cause. We found it. Um, so they are the ultimate baddies of this season. And maybe next. That doesn't exist, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> but so yeah, I mean they're they're trying to destroy heaven and and like basically I don't know, ruin everything that that God is proud of. Yeah. You know? Um they want to bring forth the darkness, bring forth hell on earth. And uh in their their process for doing this was to do exactly what's happening in the show right now. Uh increase the frequency of, increase the intensity of supernatural things happening in order to draw attention to it from humans, you know, make humans notice the supernatural, right. make them believe in it more because most people just go, ah, come on, demon yeah. possession. That doesn't actually happen. That's not really a thing. So it would take a lot of convincing to, to bring up that sort of psychic awareness, I guess. Um, and, and then once that happened, once that belief was strengthened, then the, the power of the darkness became more pronounced. And they, it, that's, it's crazy. That's all it takes for them. You know, just, hey, look, there's some evil stuff, some stuff happening, some, some supernatural things. Notice it. It's like Santa Claus, but for demons. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect analogy. It works. No, but I do. I love that. I love how close they're staying to comic book canon especially in this new day and age, this golden age of comic book television shows, a lot of times they use elements that they use as a jumping off point and then they veer very far away from the source material. Yeah. And some of that I can understand why they do that and it's to create intrigue for the people that might have read the comics and to kind of maintain their interest. But sometimes they veer so far away, you wonder why they even use the source material as a platform. Whereas with this, it's interesting to see that the writer for the Constantine television show was intent on really, really staying true to the roots of it all from the comic book itself. And I can appreciate that as an avid reader of pretty much everything I can get my hands on that's related to Constantine. Yeah, I mean, it's... And they're they're deep in there too. It's not just they're not holding back. Yeah, they've pulled stuff from like specific issues. I think it was what was supposed to be issue number two mm-hmm. of the show. It yeah. ended up being you know a couple episodes later. That's but right, yeah. but it was I mean just straight from a comic book. Yeah, straight from like I think Hellblazer number one. Yes, that that's crazy. Yeah, and, and you don't see that anymore. And you mentioned the Crisis on Infinite Earths. That whole big story arc that was a huge thing in DC, as you know, mm-hmm. the fact that they even are using elements of that because the Bruharia actually use that whole entire cast catastrophe as stepping to- stones towards their final phase of their plan. 
So it makes me wonder, obviously, we spoiler alert, we never see the crisis on Infinite Earth scenario in the first season. Mm-hmm. But it makes you wonder, and we get into those what ifs and the sad faces. <laughs> like, what right. if, like, what were they willing to do with this show? Were they really going to go that route? Were they going to introduce something as epic as, as that storyline was? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, um, but it Doesn't certainly it frustrate it, you. The show ended. Yes, entirely, <laughs> completely. Um, and I think it's interesting. So it doesn't seem like, I mean, we're bleeding into next episode a little bit, but it doesn't seem like we're gonna see Anne Marie, um, later too much. Yeah. You know, there's nothing really indicating like she's gonna be a part of the crew now. That's that's not yeah. something that we see. Um, but. So the the uh the brujeria they they um create these like creatures called the Invunch? I don't know. Invunche, I believe. Invunche? Yeah. Great. Um <laughs> Right. I mean it would be South American, it would be yeah, okay. So yeah, Invunche. Um but it's <laughs> they 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 have to kidnap a six month old infant, disjoint the head, arms, and legs, and imbue it with certain mystical properties. That sounds terrible. In order to I make one? That. Yeah. That's how you create that. Um, hey, we didn't see that in the TV show, did no, we? No. <laughs> no. Thank God. They didn't get an, a baby that was old enough. So <laughs> they were just kidnapping the babies that they were this time because they had the bloodline. The bloodline. Yeah. So they were trying to create more. But that's some dark shit. When you yeah. read the, the, the comic book canon of it, that in order to create one, you have to. It's so specific. Yeah. Kidnap a six-month-old. Disjoint the head, and arms, the limbs. and legs. Yeah. I mean, shit. That's some. That sounds terrible. Yeah. So I, I can totally understand how they were unable to show that in, yeah. the, in this uh, network television show. Just There's just no way to even attempt to show that. I mean, they get away with quite a bit in this show yeah. to begin with, but I don't think uh, taking the head off of a, a child is probably going to be something that flies with the network sensor boards. <laughs> right, for real. Um, but they created one of those uh, one of those monsters in in the comics in order to assassinate Constantine's allies. Um, it succeeded in killing a few of them. One of them being Sister Anne Marie. Oh, really? I don't remember that. That's interesting. I didn't know that was that closely connected to her. Hmm. Yeah. Um. It killed. Sister Anne-Marie, Benjamin Cox, and uh, Frank North. And then the American artist, Emma. I'm not familiar with who Emma is. I don't remember. It's been years. This is from, I think this is from like uh, number four, I believe, of Hellblazer. If my memory serves me right, it's very early on in the series when this stuff was introduced. Yeah. I mean, this... We're talking 90s source material here. Early 90s. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He, let's see, Emma Emma was, you know, her first appearance was in Swamp Thing. So, like, probably before Hellblazer. Yeah. So, but that's how deep they're getting into this stuff. You know, they made sure to connect Sister Anne-Marie with this specific bit of the storyline. Like, they, they're doing such a good job of staying true to yeah. the comics. Absolutely. It's so nice to see. Um, but, yeah, so so the, the Invunche is... Um, is what that was what the twisty headed monster thing that Silent Hill looking bullshit yeah oh fuck that, me that, that is piece <laughs> of shit 
I don't want anything to do with I that. I don't know one person who's not terrified by that goddamn Silent Hill scene. And that's exactly what this reminded me of. Yeah. It's just, ooh, it's just unearthly, unsettling to see this body move apart, you know, move around and the way it's walking. Oh, it's, it's, it's a little uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I watched some fucked up shit, some stuff that would be, you know, probably very scary for a lot of people. But even though this show is on network television at the time, they managed to really bring out that, that fear a bit. Yeah. Um, and they, I mean, this is something that is, once again, it is a monster in real world lore, in, in lore in, in Chile, you know, going along with the, the brujeria. Like that's, that is something that really existed as a story in our world. I don't want no part of this. Right. And like, and, and the fact that, uh, <laughs> it looks the way that it does in the comics too. Yeah. By the way, like it's just that twisted, uh, just no thank you. All the limbs are all screwed up, and and which is why you know you you take a baby and you do the bad things to its limbs and its head, and then it <laughs> you do mystical stuff to it that's bad, and then it grows up all big and terrible and nightmare fuely and just awful. Um, I I love when in these types of stories there's something that's so bad that it's just like. So Constantine says that there's no way that this could exist. There's absolutely no way. It, they they are all gone after that the last big flood. That's like pre Noah is when they when yeah. they ever existed. Like that's not a thing. It's not possible. You drew this. That's crazy. But sorry, Zed, they're not in existence anymore. But that's insane. That that he is just like no no no, and they're bringing stuff. Out, you know, the, the there's all these things that are supposed to not exist anymore, but this is what you're up against. Something you've never been prepared for. Yeah, and it uh, all just strengthens the whole myth arc of the season, which is the coming of the darkness. the The fact that they've been building up that hype that all these things are happening, and then of course, just in this episode alone, all the new iterations of lore that was introduced, some very dark, ancient shit, and suddenly you realize. Fuck, everything's connected. This is this is evil. This is spooky. What is going to happen? How is Constantine going to survive and defeat this? Because he isn't a, a superhero. He isn't that type of character. He doesn't have superpower. His abilities are 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 confined to his knowledge of magic. So when you're introducing these things that he believes are gone, you suddenly start wondering as an audience and fan of the show, what the fuck's going to happen? How is this going to be resolved? Yeah, I mean, if if your main character is not prepared in any way to even come into contact with these sorts of evils, how is he going to get through it? And it, they're just setting up for an incredible story. Um, yeah, and I love Matt Ryan's acting, period. But in this episode, it really came through. It's a little wonky in the earlier episodes. I don't think he found his ground or his uh, his legs yet with, yeah. it, uh, with the Constantine character. But, but by... That's like any character. That's totally normal. Yeah, but by episode eight, he's just so comfortable in that in that role, and to see him as an actor, you can see how he's settling in. And when you settle into the character, you then start seeing the more the more nuanced performances as well. And at the end of the episode, when he realizes he's fucked and he doesn't know what to do, you feel it. You see it in his face before he says. 
before Anne says, what are we going to do? Yeah. And he's all, I don't know. You saw the answer before he even said the words. In fact, in my opinion, as a writer, it would have been even better if he didn't even say, we don't know. I don't know. I think his his body language said it all. Yeah. Um, I and, love stuff like that. And he's normally so so cocky, so sure of himself. Yep. So like, yep. ah, I've got the remedy for this or like, ah, it's nothing. I've seen worse. Well, now at this point, he hasn't seen worse. Yeah. This is this is worse. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't know how to deal with it. Such a great way to build up a part one and part two as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're going to give you guys some time to uh, kind of shake off the nightmare fuel that is the Invunche. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to take a quick break. You bastards are going to owe me. What are you looking at, nerd? Huh? I thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. <laughs> Geek Out Saturday. Some of the biblical allegories that we talked about uh, last week um, with the innocence, like much like we saw with the first creations, Adam and Eve, that I think definitely connects to the general theme of of Westworld. What is that, you might ask? For me, first second that that happened, I was like, hey, that probably has something to do with kryptonite. Darth Vader could not open the crystal. Caden cannot open the crystal. Ahsoka cannot open the crystal, okay? The reason I'm pointing this out in this episode, what does the Bendu do? He takes the Starting thing. Starting point and an ending point, and it told its story pretty damn well. There's a couple gripes or a few little changes that anybody on the internet or ourselves have talked about. But overall, season 11 was great. I look back at season 10 now with... Catch up on your favorite Rayman digital geek shows every Saturday. DC on CW, Back to Tank, Weird West Radio, The Crossroads, and more. Geek Out Saturday on Rayman Channel 001. Listen for the Rainman Digital app or tune in. Just search RM Channel 001. Hey guys, did you know that Rainman Digital now offers a premium service? That's right. Besides the weekly free broadcasts, Rainman Digital now offers a premium service. And when you pledge to our Patreon page, you automatically become a subscriber. So it's easy. The premium service includes video content, plus additional exclusive shows like Star Trek from the Holodeck, Comic Book Chaos, DC and CW bonus shows, Supernatural, The Crossroads, and more. So head on over to patreon.com slash Digital and sign up today. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, DEAL30, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And for your viewing pleasure, six free spicy movies on DVD, plus free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. So go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code DEAL30. Again, that's DEAL30 because without it, no free stuff. That's DEAL30 at adamandeve.com. All right, guys, we are back. Let's get back into all of this cool, cool stuff. Um, So not only do we get 
the biggest revelation of all of the backstory of this like story arc that we've got going on in this season and what the enemy, I guess, per se, is. Um, but on top of that, we get even more of like a fleshed out better picture of who Constantine is. Um, so Sister Anne-Marie is a former girlfriend who was used to to really like flesh out his I don't know, his personality, his background, all these little details about him as a human being. Um, Which needed to be done, right? I, yeah. Do you, like, do you agree with it coming so soon, kind of pulling back the curtains on Constantine's past, or do you think they should have drawn it out a bit longer? Honestly, no, because we keep getting little bits of it. You know, he yeah. doesn't need to be a mystery all the time. Yeah. You know, um, but we do get kind of conflicting stories at first when when we're talking, when we're hearing Anne-Marie and Constantine talk about the situation. Yeah. You know, when Zed confronts him, he says, we slept together once. Um, and and maybe it was only once. It seems like. I think he might be telling Zed that because I think he might be in there. Okay, no. But later on, um, they. I guess spoiler for next episode. That's right. uh, The. He he says when he's possessed. Yeah. Um, he says that uh, it was only one night, and she was, you know, the the demons taunting her, and mm-hmm. says, you know, you were only good enough for one night of his <laughs> attention. And demons going below the belt. But it. But that's still. <laughs> that's yeah. It's super harsh. It's still shows a lot about Constantine as a human being because he I think he views sex in such a fluid way that he's just like yeah it's just two people having fun whatever no harm no foul whatever yeah. let's just do it it's just a physical thing um but when he's talking about Anne Marie he says that um that wasn't the point of us you know we slept together once but that that we shouldn't have done it that wasn't the point of us you know he he loved her and he cared about her in a way that he held her to such a higher regard um, it it seems like he almost felt like it was tainting things to to just go for sex, right? Um, which shows a lot about how he is damaged, but he does really care for people. He just is broken in certain ways that he doesn't know how to functionally show people. Yeah, and that was honestly the strength for me for this episode, besides the awesome lore that we received. But also the way they flesh Constantine out by using very clever, using the the former girlfriend and showing more relatable traits. Because, yes, Constantine's a bastard and he always has to be a bastard. That's just I mean, I don't know. I think he's actually been called a bastard probably over a million (laughs) times uh, in the comic books. That's what he is. But he's a good person. And I like that they actually stress that. And they also showed that. This Newcastle scene, this Newcastle uh, incident we keep hearing about, wasn't necessarily as black and white as it was introduced mm-hmm. to us in the earlier episodes. It became very evident that it was kind of a no-win situation. He uses people, yes, but because, what does he say in this episode? Because of the greater good. Yeah, you know, there, there is no cost too high to save the innocent. Yeah. And I thought that was strong because that it actually shows... a. a um, heroism in a very different way and and the fact that he's willing in a sense to sell his soul and 
come off as just a piece of shit in order to save the world that he allegedly hates so much. Yeah. So it really says a lot about his character and it was done so well. Yeah, I think he's one of the best people, one of one of the most um sincere. Yeah. Yeah. Because he he has to harden himself in certain ways. You know, he cannot just be a bleeding heart. He can't. He would never survive what he's doing. Absolutely. And he would never save the people that he does. We see, you mentioned Supernatural earlier. We see a lot of times uh, Sam and Dean in Supernatural screw things up because of their feelings right. and because of how hard they feel and how insistent that they are on sticking to certain values and morals. And it creates so much more chaos than it needs to. Um, which, okay, that's great for storytelling. You know, <laughs> it works. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if we're thinking about it realistically, someone doing this sort of thing really needs to have a tough exterior and, and needs to not be afraid of being the asshole. Yeah. Um, towards the end of this episode, you know, he they they have the uh, the infants that were stolen and um, they are confronted and, you know, he starts threatening the life of the baby. The entire time, Anne-Marie is going, Constantine, don't do this. You know, don't go down this road. Don't don't threaten these things. Don't don't talk like that. Don't even think about it. Don't even think of doing it. And it's like, he's not. He would never. He just needs the demon to believe yeah. that he might. He's yeah. pretending that he has leverage, but he would never, ever, ever yeah, harm but, an innocent. Right. And I don't, I think a lot of us realize that, but even the idea of him doing it, is enough to make a lot of people cringe. You know, yeah. the fact that he's putting his his hand, yes, not forcefully over the the neck of the baby and using that as a threat. I mean, yeah, it's going to send anybody who's not in the know, like, you know, they're going to freak out. Like, holy yeah. fuck, this guy is willing to do anything to get the job a, done. They just had to talk about it. Yep. They just had it. Anne-Marie. Shh. But I mean, oh, at, the, violence. <laughs> at the same time, I guess it's good, though, that people are like, oh, my God, no, because then it really creates more believability for the demon. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I don't know. I have a good knowledge of Constantine. I don't have a vast knowledge. Um, I don't think I know much of anything about him being abused as a child. I can't remember that in the comic book. Okay. I know. I know they mentioned it. They alluded to it. I'm assuming didn't they alluded to allude to it in this episode that uh, he was running from his father, his family, and that he ran into her and that magic saved him because she introduced him to the world of the supernatural. Anne Marie. Yeah. Um. Something to that effect. Yeah. She is definitely the one that introduced him to magic, and that was his way out of everything else. His shitty life. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know how in the comics that is. I don't remember I, either. Yeah. Like it's been years. Not something that I recall, but at the same time, did you, know, you get that though? Did they, they did allude to abuse, right? I think so. Okay. At, at least, um, they didn't straight out spell it out, but I think they did allude to the fact that he was running from his, his childhood. Yeah. Um, I, they talked about him suffering. You know, everything that you went through and everything that you, you suffered. Oh, Manny said it. I mm. think in the previous episode, Manny had said it, right? Manny had said um, when they were in that jail cell, 
And he said, uh, maybe it was two episodes. I'm getting all my episodes <laughs> jumbled up. But do you remember when Manny said, I know you? I know what you've done. I know you've been dealt with, uh, you know, an unfair hand. I know about the abuse. Yeah. I know about your childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. You remember that? I remember that. And Constantine said, watch out now. He wanted him to kind of quit talking about it. Yeah, yeah. So that was right. I got my episodes confused. We got it. We got there. <laughs> they all kind of blend together after a certain point. It's one... Which is kind of good because it's just one ongoing story. Yeah. You know, it's not like, well, in this episode, they fought this thing and it's totally different from the last time. And there's just nothing that really coincides. Which, which was my fear when I watched the second episode for the first time year yeah. in 2014. I was afraid. I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be what is this like CSI? Just one episode. And now we're moving into the uh, monster of the week. But obviously it ended up being something very different. But regardless, the, the the abuse that they had mentioned a couple episodes ago, it still meshes well with 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 fleshing him out in this episode because mm-hmm. we find out who he ran to. Yeah, and and where he got involved. Because how does someone get involved with the dark arts? You know what I mean? Like, you get, I, I want to find out. If you know, let me know. Right. Um. If anyone listening knows, you know, just drop us a line. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> We're interested. At DC underscore. <laughs> CW. Um, but yeah, it, that's it's really awesome to see. Okay, so we're getting into the roots of who Constantine is. Each time we meet someone from the Newcastle crew, we learn a little bit more mm-hmm. about him. Um, and yeah, that the magic was what saved him from everything that he was going through and what his life was. So here we are. Um, this this was also the first episode where we got to finally learn about Zed as well. Um, we were waiting for creepy naked model dude to <laughs> finally snatch her. And uh, this episode, we... became even more creepier because he's called himself her brother. Yeah, right. Like, well, in not in so many words, but yeah, basically by saying that, you know... Our father? Yeah, our father. Oh, he's your father now too. Funny, because I don't remember you. <laughs> um, and And we get an actual idea of of what she's running from, who she's running from, we kind of figured it was something to do with family. Yeah. Whether it was running to save her family or whether it was actually running from her family. And it is exactly that. It's running from her family. Her father trapped her, kept her in a locked room, um, has a cult, wants to use her gift for themselves. Um, and she doesn't want to be kept like an animal in a small cage. So... Obviously, she's running from them. and But to know that they've got this weird religious cult on top of that, it's not like he's just some mobster or something, you know? Yeah. I think that would be more like, yeah, that's fine. Run away and you'll be okay. Like, no big deal. We've seen this before. No, this is like a cult situation. Yeah. These people are willing to die for him. Yeah, which again raises the stakes on our characters and also kind of separates Zed from Constantine in a way that I feel like even though I'm not, I'm a, I want a Constantine story, you introduce the character as Zed and she's a permanent mainstay. I feel like the best way sometimes to really delve into her past is to kind of do it separately. Uh, and they chose the right episode to do it because at the same time we're learning about Constantine, we're learning about Zed. And I love parallel writing, you know, parallel narratives. And that's exactly what they did. And it came off really well. Yeah. And I honestly... I was kind of bummed at the beginning of the episode because I was like, really? We're doing that? We're we're going to choose this format? Yeah. We rarely have Chaz and Zed together. It's like, 
we choose Zed this episode. We choose Chaz this episode. So, right. so watching her on her own and watching her have her own story where we learn more um, about her past, that was great. Um, so what is it? It's the crusade, right? That yeah. her father runs. Yeah. Um, so. And, and I'm not familiar with that. But- so it is actually a thing in Hellblazer okay. in, in the comics. Um, Mary Zed Martin, her father run well i don't i don't know if it's her father like actually in the in the uh, comics in the comics like she exists within an extremist christian group they are the resurrection crusade um oh okay yeah yeah and john constantine stopped the second coming from happening but that's what they were you know waiting for hoping for working towards whatever um yeah see she was introduced uh zed and this mm-hmm. whole thing was introduced and Hellblazer number four. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at early 90s now. time ago. So that's why it. I remember Zed. I don't remember her story. It's been so long. But mm-hmm. damn, they were pulling from some early issues. Early issues. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I, yeah. I mean, everything is just so deep in the comics. So deep in this lore of Constantine. It's yeah. amazing. Um, but so, I mean, it's... It's curious to me that they decided to go. It's not curious. It's good that they decided to go a different route with her character because uh, Constantine screwed up their second coming because for the ritual, they needed a virgin and she was a virgin. And then she spent a night with Constantine and it robbed her of her purity. (laughs) And I love their relationship together in this show where it's not sexual at all they kind of joke about it but they're comfortable joking about it it's not like actual sexual tension you there's, know there's like, some flirtation right yeah like yeah. a little bit here and there but honestly they just respect each other yeah that's what i get to um and it's a friendship and they they both have their own secrets they both have their own pasts and they just want to work together um and they're comfortable with each other and it's not just a conquest on either end for for them no it works I have a question for you. Do huh. you how do you feel as a an avid comic book reader? Um, how do you feel about TV shows staying close to source material? Do you feel as a viewer that they should veer away, or do you think it works better if they stay true to the source material? Do you have an opinion on that? I think it depends um entirely on what they're trying to do. If they're trying to do a direct comic book adaptation, Mm -hmm. stay close to a lot of the source material. Um, So it doesn't doesn't ruin things for you as uh, someone that may already know what happened in the comic book? No, um, I think think the only time it really gets too dangerous with that, too, is like when it's super recent. Okay. And even still, you know, you've got to make some changes for TV anyway. Yeah, because some things on a, you know, an 8 by 11 page is just not going to translate very well sometimes to the TV medium. So I think no matter what, you're looking at something where you've you've got to make decisions. You have to make um, changes. You have to make sacrifices and and veer from that path a bit. But I think when you're adapting comics from a couple decades ago, Mm -hmm. I think you're safe to stick to the good source material. and Or at least, you know, stick to it to start with. Yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. Stick to it to start with. Create those characters, create that world, and go from there. Unless your intention is to create something brand 
new as far as the story is concerned, Mm -hmm. then okay, fine. You know, I mean, iZombie is a show that's based on a Vertigo comic book and is absolutely nothing like the comic book at all. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. uh, It is based on uh, a comic by Chris Roberson. And it is about a zombie that works the graveyard shift at a graveyard. Um, She's like a grave digger. And what she does is she helps bury bodies. And then she breaks back into those fresh graves. So no one can tell and no one goes, oh, you shouldn't be here because she's a grave digger. Um, And she takes the brains and then she, you know, eats them little by little. She kind of, yeah, that's what she does. But in the show, she's a coroner. Uh, okay. Um, and she eats the brains and kind of takes on the personality of them and helps solve crimes. Um, so it's kind of like a buddy cop sort of thing where some people know about the zombie stuff and some people don't. And Does it work for you as a TV show or do you prefer yeah. the comic book format better? Um, the comic book format is the, the comic for that is is great. It's cool. It's fun. Um I don't know how long it could have lasted as a TV show in that way. Her best friend is a ghost um, and stuff like that. And it's cool. And I really enjoy it. But I also really like what they did with this show. Sure, it's nothing like the comic. It's it's really not. But they've done a great job with this show. It's ending with season five. um, And it's... It's done a great job of fleshing out its own world. So you feel like it's just kind of case by case then. It depends on the comic book itself. It does. It depends on the comic book. It depends on what you're planning to do with it. Right. You can have great success totally changing something up. um, But at the same time, I think it also depends too on whether you're looking at um, something that's a little more like indie comic or something that's characters that have been around for the better part of a century yeah and you you brought up a great point about how long ago the source material has been out and the 80s and 90s is so long ago now it really is it's been what over 30 years pretty much so going back and staying true to the source material i think works for constantine and also um because there's literally 30 plus years of Constantine Hellblazer canon material that they could use something from the 80s and never run out of of things to do as you mentioned with iZombie if they had originally gone with the with how the comic book was you said it would be very difficult to even move farther than a couple seasons so with Constantine you have 30 plus years so going at it this this way or how they had intended to before it got canceled makes a lot of sense in retrospect. The way I look at it when you're working with older source material and more established, more longstanding characters mm-hmm. is uh honestly you have one of two reactions that's going to happen. You know, people are going to watch it and they're going to go, "Oh, wow, I had no idea. This is brand new for me." Or they're going to go, "Oh my god, I forgot about that." Or yeah, I remember true. that. It's nostalgic at that point because honestly, most people haven't read those comics in a while. Most people collect them, but haven't read them in a while. And the people that are newer into comics are going to be so excited to see what they just read on the screen that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think you really are going to disappoint as long as you're staying true to it. Yeah. Um, It's when you kind of start to bastardize things a little bit and like stay with it, but veer enough away from it to where it's like, ah, come on. Or completely change characters that should be a certain way. Yep. Which I think that's the reason why they've managed to succeed so 
well with Matt Ryan's version of Constantine because him, he is just, he embodies what Constantine was yeah. in the comics. And and that, as, when you do something as strong as that and you keep that character like that, you can kind of get away with molding the world a little bit and changing those little details here and there. You can kind of make those changes around him when the world feels like Constantine, when he feels like Constantine. No one's going to nitpick you as much if it's just like, well, this other character used to be way different. Okay, but does it work with Constantine? Right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I just, I think they they really hit something good here with this show. And it's probably... In my opinion, one of the biggest mistakes NBC ever made by canceling it. I would agree because this is a type of show that makes them money forever. Because if they would have gone for at least three years, at least, Mm -hmm. then they get those syndication dollars. And this is one of those shows that would be continued. It would have been, people would have continued to watch it. They would have continued to discover it. And they eventually would have had a huge moneymaker in their hands. I agree. I I just, I'm... And then you analyze the writing and the writing is so fucking good in this show that I'm just so fucking baffled that they canceled the show. It just everything was on point with this, with this, uh, with the Constantine TV show. It's just it's just so fucking sad that they said, yeah, eh, not gonna, enough viewers. Okay. Yeah, we're done. I, I wish we could get some of those writers over to the CW to really yeah. up the ante a little bit over there. Well, Fortunately, the the producer um, slash executive producer slash showrunner of Constantine is getting a second chance, not for Constantine, but it was revealed that he's going to be the showrunner for the DC Universe Swamp Thing. So that at least we get to see some of that skill yeah. on another brand of DC, and maybe. it also opens that door of possibility that we may see Constantine in his own show again. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. We'll see what happens with Legends of Tomorrow and stuff. Uh, any any last things you want to mention about this episode? You know, I think I, we said it all. So <laughs> I, I think, think so this too. is like an A plus episode. I agree. This is easily the strongest episode so far into this season. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap things up. That's going to be it for today's DC on CW Constantine edition. Remember, you can always catch any past and future DC on CW episodes through the Rain Man digital app. And be, be sure to follow us on social media. We've got Twitter at DC on CW, Facebook.com slash DC on CW. And our Instagram is at DC underscore on underscore CW. We'll catch you next time. I walk my path alone because let's be honest. Who'd be crazy enough to walk it with me?